Well, that's what I need. Hey, hey. Well, I need a dollar, dollar, dollar. That's what I need. Hey, hey. Said I need a dollar, dollar, dollar. That's what I need. And if I share with you my story, would you share your dollar with me? Bad times are coming, and I reap what I done sowed. I just like that song. I did too. I just gotta. Got a groove, got a feel, got a vibe, I think the kids say. That's what my you, son would you, say. You know me. We're about to talk about how I don't like people. Um, <laughs> and you know the person I'm thinking about when I tell you it's the person like I hate the most. I, don't, I won't be mean and mention their name, but you know who I'm talking about. Okay. That person would call that a banger. A banger. A banger. Yeah. Uh, my, have, you, have you heard the new Taylor my Swift? Kids, my kids it's would a, say it's that. It's a banger. Dad, listen, I... I'll drop banger. That I was an exact I, impression of I that don't, individual. I don't way, drop banger. banger. I don't drop banger as a, uh, in that way, I drop it more as like my wife and I do it in that funny way. What's the, what's, what, how are you supposed to say that? It's uh we do it ironically. Yeah. You know, if, uh, it's like, like when I'll say to my, the opposite of hot and I say that's hot. I'll say to my kids, yeah. dude, Tom Jones, <laughs> guy's got some bangers. Yeah. <laughs> I had a friend that turned me on to that, the, uh, that's hot thing. I'd say like, man, I had diarrhea last night. He'd be like, that's hot. That's no, I don't know. <laughs> Nothing like that. <laughs> uh, I, I got turned on to the no worries. No worries. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I say, I that, say, I say that, that a lot. lot. I said, but I, have I told you the, the story about a text gone wrong? Because I used to send that in text form too. Uh, uh, no. Yeah. This is, this is going to be a Keen Peel skit. You're about to tell me. I accidentally, the W got transferred to the other side of the space. Okay. So it said, "Now worry." Now worry. <laughs> what does that mean? It was like, and it was Dick? like, there, it was a group text, and uh, one of the ladies in the group was like, "Hey, I'm going to be five minutes late to the meeting. Sorry about that." It's like saying, "Then you want to go." And you, I, what do you mean? You want to go? <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's back, go. I wrote back, "Now worry," and I did, and I hit send and didn't think about it. And one of the other guys in the group was standing there with me. My buddy Ken. He's like, "Ross, dude, did you see what you just sent, Angela?" Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I told her no worries. She's gonna be a few minutes late. He's like, no, dude, you told her now worry. Now worry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm oh, sorry. I didn't mean to be late. Um sometimes people aren't very good at telling you how they feel about you if if they like you, right? It's uh <laughs> we had this was in the text group yesterday. It's what's reminding me of it. I sent a an idea to our agents, right? And it was a pretty good idea, frankly. I don't come up with great ideas all the and time, I, but it was, I, a, it was a really good idea. You were probably on the show. What, what was the time. idea? It was an idea about how to try to find new builders and stuff oh, like okay. that. Oh, okay. And no one commented on it. I mean, this is a text group with 15, 16 people in it. And uh, no one commented. So I went back about an hour later and liked it. And Nate <laughs> said, you can't like your own text. And I said, when it's that good, you can. <laughs> and then several people came on and said, oh, that was a really good idea. That was blah, 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 blah. Yeah, and I'm like, hey, you know, where's the love, man? I sent you guys a, a nugget. We had a nugget out there for you. Um, but we were talking about, um, yeah, me not liking people. That's what, that, well, that, were, that, that's what we were talking about. Oh, but what I was going to say was, uh, have you ever noticed that people that you do hang around a lot, and I've noticed this a lot, uh, uh, Miss KK, uh, who's not here today, but she does this a lot. She's been around me five years at this point. So you start to notice that people are saying things that you say, you know, catching on to your phraseology, so to speak. So if I say no worries, you know, you start hearing someone else say no worries or whatever. And you're like, all right, you know, they're, they're around me enough. They think enough of me to like emulate what I'm saying and whatever. So I'm sure because you're on the radio, Ross, a lot of people <sighs> catch on to some things that you say. Uh, dude, I, I don't, I, I don't know that I have, uh, a lot of those things, you know, and if I do, I'm stealing most of them. 
Yeah. You know, the one that uh, I get a lot of credit for, um, get your poop in a group. Yeah. Right? Uh, that was a saying that my buddy Michael Ware used to say, used to call into Jan Michelson's show, and when we were having political discussions and you were talking about a politician who couldn't get his poop in a group, yeah. he'd say, get your poop in a group. Yeah. I thought, that's a great saying. I've said that. I've had people, like, repeat that to me, like, oh, and kind of in that way, like, hey, I've heard you yeah. say this. It, we're... We're all standing on other people's shoulders. I like, uh, <laughs> so speaking of stealing phrases, a couple that I like, uh, one from, a, I think we maybe even talked about this before, one from an old TV show, Wings. There was an episode, did you watch Wings? Loved when Wings. It was on? Uh, do you now, remember? Hold on, you're going to have to, give me just a moment here. What was, oh my gosh, come on, Ross. What was the dummy's name? The mechanic. Lloyd. Lloyd, I almost said Lloyd. Lloyd. Ah, okay, what was your line? So there's an episode where, uh, Brian, one of the one of the brothers, others, right? Yeah. He's in the uh, a bank, and the bank gets robbed. And one of the robbers says, and I've actually gone back just to make sure I had this right because you know it was fifteen years prior. I'm like, am I, you know, quoting this the right way? Yeah. And I found it online, and I watched it again. But one of the the robbers says basically, "Hey, if you all cooperate, we'll all be sitting in butter." <laughs> so that's a phrase that over the years I'll say it. But no one, of course, knows what it means. They don't have a reference point. If I'm we, like, if we get this done, we'll all be sitting in butter. <laughs> I know. What does it mean? Well, it means like we'll, we'll be good. You know, we'll all be sitting in butter. You know, is that uh, the money, money, where, money makes the mare go. Is that the episode where Brian just claims to be blind? I don't think so. Is that, is, oh, maybe, maybe. I don't know. Where the bank I, robber is like, he realizes it's a bank robbery and all of a sudden he's just standing there and he goes, well, he ends up I'm flying blind. the bank robber on the plane okay. somewhere else because they, you know, operate a little puddle jumper airline. Yeah. Yeah. I liked wings, man. Oh, I did too. You know one. what? I was kind of hot for Helen. Yeah. She was like the only girl on the show. Basically. Yeah, but what was she, did she have a Southern accent? She did. She did. Chris, Chris, Crystal Bernard was yeah. her name in real life. And then eventually Brian got a girlfriend named Alex. And Alex, I think, was a redheaded woman and she was smoking. I remember that too, right? Yeah, yeah I liked wings. Wings was a good yeah. one. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's a phrase like money makes the mare go. That's from David Mehmet, who's, uh, who did Glen Gary, Glen Ross. Money makes the, the mare go. Like the, the horse, the, the mule. The, yeah. yeah. Money makes the mare go. I mean, that, what, does it mean something? No, but it's just a, a line in dialogue I've, somewhere that that's, you... Huh. So certain things I, I'll say like that and, and people will look at you strange. But the one I heard the other day, and I had to ask. I, I, I had to, ask. I I had to ask. Okay, hold that thought. I had to ask. So again, you're around KK a lot. I'm around KK a lot. I don't know if you've heard her say blowing ass. Have you heard oh, that absolutely. one? absolutely, yeah, yeah. My kids last night were blowing ass. Farting. No. No, and I actually had to make sure. I, I I thought I understood her context, but I asked her the other day, and I said, I just want to clarify this. When you say my kids are blowing ass, you mean that they're causing a fuss, that they're crying, that they're whining, that they're being bad. And she's like, yeah. It has nothing to do with, with poo-poo, Ross. What? Yeah. So I don't know if it's a Knoxville thing. That's where she's from, by the way. Um, or what? But she uses it frequently. Yeah, you know, I, I don't know. Have you ever noticed? Have you ever heard her say it? Well, first, I've, I, if I've heard her say blowing ass, I would have just assumed she was talking about somebody farting. No, because that's not what at that all. would mean. Not me. at all. That would be 100% mm -mm. your farting. Mm -mm. Blowing ass. That's what she says. Doesn't mean that at all. Yeah, all right. Hey, listen, to each their own. That comes from somewhere. How so about uh, when you say that, though? I thought what you were going to go to was um, uh, the great outdoors. 
mm-hmm. movie with John Candy. Very familiar and with it, but it's been many, 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 many years. At, towards the end of the movie, the families are all starting to fight, and there's a big uh, kerfuffle, and and the, the back and forth it's is, oh, oh, blow it out your ass. No, you blow it out your ass. And the mom stands up and says, nobody's blowing anything out their ass. Yeah. I maybe that's where blowing ass comes from. And I always her. thought that that was yeah. I, what what is be. what is the, the the one thing that jumps out to you from that movie? Like if I if I just said great oh, outdoors and you had to man. name one thing to encapsulate, really what tough. would it be? That's really tough. I know what it is for me. My but I brain yours. my brain floods with a couple of different things. So I've got I, I cannot give you one. But the very first thing that I thought of when you I mean besides the blow it out your ass thing. Yeah. Is the speech that John that Dan Aykroyd gives John Candy about the wilderness mm-hmm. when he says to him, "Look out into that." He's in, a yuppie, right? Yeah. Way. What What do you see? And and John Candy says, "I I don't understand the question." And and Dan Aykroyd says, "You know, I see untapped industry. I see a a, a, a land yearning to give to its people." It goes into this long thing yeah. about how man can forge its way through through nature and it's really a cool little 30 second monologue and at the end of it he says so i ask you again what do you see and john candy says i don't know trees <laughs> trees <laughs> i think of the, I, I think of the 86er oh yeah That's what, what a I great think. movie because again i had five things in my head and that wasn't john candy them. has to eat at a restaurant an 86 ounce steak <laughs> And, uh, the to, to, and, and to get a t-shirt or something. I don't remember what he gets. Well, I think everybody but eats free. He, he's, he's done. He's done. And he tells the guy, I'm done. He's, he's like, no, you're not. Because there's nothing left but gristle and fat. He has to eat all that, too. That's part of part of the deal. The raccoons. Mm-hmm. The raccoons that are speaking English. Well, they're, 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 they're you know. They're transcribing it. That's hilarious. <laughs> the bear that gets its, uh, that's bald and then gets its butt shaved off by the shotgun. Yep. Uh, there's a lot in there. It's so much, there's man. A lot there's in so that, many dude. good things. The water skiing scene. I, I feel, is he saying go faster? You bastard! <laughs> yeah, he's saying go I faster. Do, I do. I do feel sorry for people that are listening that are younger that have no oh, idea. The great outdoors. What we're talking about. Yeah, probably a movie that it, it does it hold up. Like, could you? If, yeah, I think so. If we told so. if we told the guys in the office here that haven't seen it, do we have guys in the office that haven't seen it? Oh, probably. Yeah. Lanning, maybe. Oh no, we got a pretty good group I don't of guys know, here, man. Yeah, I think maybe pretty, Nate is Nate the youngest guy we have. He, uh, yes, by far, I think. He just went to the How theater by himself to watch Spider Man again. Anyway, yeah. So I, the Great Outdoors is a good one. Um, hey, I did want to thank people by the way for for listening last week. Oh, that reminds me too. To you the, you were on a podcast not recently, but a ways back. I was going to ask you about this. Um, no, because I don't do a lot of tracking on this. You and I just kind of let it rip, and uh, we're not in this for fortune and fame. <laughs> That's what we do real estate for. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, there's an there's an episode or there's a number count, a plays count that you can kind of track. I don't know if that's everything. Again, I'm not Mr. Podcast, but um, I was expecting that number to be quite low because we had taken an eight month break, <laughs> and when you do that, uh, nobody. Uh, might come back the late the show, but apparently a lot of people did. So thanks, well, th- for, thanks for, for that. that. Yeah, thanks for that. It's it's you. It's your 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 star it's, power. It, listen, it's the best story ever, is what it is. And I got another one for you today. So I want to know, and we're going to get to that. I know everyone's listening because of the best story. <laughs> That's why they listen to the best podcast in Iowa. By the way, we have new cover art. So if you uh, work see this episode today, hopefully you see the new cover art. Um, uh, yes. So your story last week was great. 
my wife actually played it for Seton yesterday because he hadn't heard it. So she made him listen, and she was saying, "Your dad really liked this story." It was just funny. I just there was a lot of mental There's images so going on. There's so much sad. And then did you guys go and Google it and like look yeah. up some of the actual pictures? It's incredible, yeah. isn't it, man? Yeah, That's I found really a awesome. Carbajal, the guy. I, yeah. I, po- I posted his picture on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. But uh, no, I saw Keith Murphy post the other day that he was on a podcast, and I said, "Oh, what's this podcast all about?" And then I noticed they actually have real sponsors, so that must be a, a thing. Um, but uh, eight ball something about, something about the eight oh, ball. Ask the eight ball podcast. Yeah, ne- had I'm, never had never heard of yeah, it. No yeah. offense to those guys. No, no. But I went back through the roster and I saw that you had done an episode of it. Yes. and I wanted to ask you as a guest on a podcast, what type of things were they asking you about? I've so not listened this to is, it. Yet. This was a really funny thing that happened because. One of the hosts is my friend, Eric Marshall. I worked with Eric for a long time at the radio station. One of the most talented kids I've ever been around. Um, Really fun, cool dude. Had a great future in radio, but ended up getting into the bar industry and has made his career there. And that fits his personality Mm -hmm. a lot. Mm -hmm. But now has got a buddy that wanted to do a podcast. He says, hey, I've got this radio background. Let's do this thing. And they have. Yeah, they're sponsored by like... Uh, Lola's, they're sponsored by Bebop's. They've got yep. a couple good sponsors there, and the, and it is a fun podcast. Now, Eric obviously knew me well. Eric was a guy. He was um, he was a part timer and an intern at the radio station. I wouldn't necessarily say I took him under my wing, but we were definitely like minded there, and I I helped him navigate some of that stuff that comes at yep. you when you're a young broadcaster. And so, not that he looks up to me or anything, but I think there maybe that's the type of relationship he has with me. So he asked me to come on this podcast. I absolutely loved to do it. Went down and met them down at Truman's. Here's where the funny comes in. He had told his partner, hey, I'm bringing Ross Peterson on the podcast. And his partner was like, okay, I'll Google him and find out who he is. Okay. He found the wrong Ross Peterson. Oh. There are a couple of famous Ross Petersons out there, okay? One of them is a motocross rider. Okay. The other one is a famous author. He thought I was the motocross writer. <laughs> so we're like we're like 15 minutes into this conversation. And he's like, what oh, are we going to talk oh, about? Oh, oh, dirt sudden, bikes. Yeah, this dude's like, all right, man, I got to ask you, how'd you get into dirt bikes? I'm like, I've never ridden a dirt <laughs> oh, bike. Oh, man. Uh, I've never ridden a dirt bike in my life, man. I don't know what you're talking about. What? Wait, 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 wait. wait. No. My research here says. Yeah, right. Well, I thought you were this right. And I, I said, no, no, no. Wrong dude. Wrong dude. I've done so this some is cool, this done some cool this stuff. Is a, this is a local guy that doesn't know who Ross Peterson is. He's not a sports guy, dude. And listen, oh man, this is why I, this is me again thinking am, everybody's like me, Ross. Mark, I I, I try to tell I you all the time, this. dude. I am local celebrity. Emphasis on the local. Yeah, but if you got a podcast and I, you're in Iowa, you think you know who the local people are? I guarantee yes, you. I guess ninety percent of the people that have podcasts in Iowa have no clue who I am. And that's, and yeah, again, totally fine. That's that's whatever. Yeah. I'm I'm a, I have to talk about the Hawkeyes and the Cyclones. That doesn't mean a lot to how many to some people. How many other uh, podcasts have you been a guest on? Mm. I don't even know, man. Dozen. Yeah, yeah. My beer fish fanatics was one of my favorite ones I ever did, and then I yeah. helped those guys. Um, yeah, they, they, what what has happened with their podcast has been awesome to see because. They reached out to me just because they were East High guys and fishermen and beer guys. I mean, like all of my things. These guys are friends, beer buddies, fishing dudes, and they asked me to come on their podcast. 
and I was able to lay down a bunch of groundwork for them, hook them up with some people with the DNR, hooked them up with Bruno that then yeah. got them into those beer circles, and now they're just killing it, and that's a really fun. If you're a fishing guy, that's if a you're a fishing guy. <laughs> that's a, a great. Podcast. What do you think? Let's give let's give uh, some plugs to, to to people out there. Um, we're not in the competition biz, Ross. Here, this is just a S's and G's type of thing that we're doing. What are the best podcasts in Iowa? that you are aware of that you think do a very good job other than the best podcast. And I, Mark, which I'm is, not, which is this. I, I, I have to go bigger than that because. So you're saying nobody in Iowa has a good podcast. I'm not saying nobody in Iowa has a good podcast. What I'm saying is this is a very difficult thing to do. Okay. It, 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 it's hard. I like to challenge you and Ross. To do it on a, and to do it on a regular basis is very difficult. And I don't get to hear a lot of the podcasts in Iowa. I don't. Mm-hmm. I just don't get to hear very many of them. I've heard some that are really good. If you listen on Warp Speed listen, like Grove did, like you, Grover, you right? More. And, and Grove would be the guy to ask this question to. I would say this, that the sports movie pod that Murph and Andy do, that's a really I've liked good that. podcast. I've, I've heard that. That's yeah. pretty rare, though. It, they, Every they, couple they, months, that's, maybe, that's they the do thing. that? I mean, like, and like, I will toot my own horn. Missing in the Metro was the best podcast. In, I, I, was the best podcast I think I thing. did two episodes of that listen and to, we have listen like to a eight couple out there or something like that yeah a couple more that are in the shoot but did we're you all... do don't don't go down this road but did yeah. you do ashley oakland or no no we did not but okay. that is ashley oakland's story is the reason that podcast because that would be a hell of a good show it was going to be okay um maybe it will be again someday. i'll tell you the story real quick simon conway who's a broadcaster on yeah. wh simon a uh, client of charter house at least oh, i didn't know that i, I helped nice. simon buy his house i didn't know that that's very cool yeah. uh simon, i like simon a lot great guy Simon, and this is a proof of that is Simon has always kind of verbally laid claim to the Ashley Oakland case. Here's why. The day that Simon got to Des Moines was the day that Ashley was murdered. Okay. So when Simon came here and got on the air, that was the story that we were all talking about. Everybody sure. was was chiming in. Um, so Simon has always felt this strange connection to that Ashley Oakland story. I was on your podcast doing the uh, forecast one mm-hmm. day, and you asked me a question. What's the most interesting thing you've ever done in your broadcasting career? And I mentioned that doing during that time and running the board for Jan Michelson was one of the most interesting times because people were throwing so many. It was such a huge story. This beautiful girl gets murdered. There's absolutely no leads from the, from the police department, and it goes unsolved. And so in those months around that people will remember man it was like the story it's the only thing we talked about and it did stand out you're right the typical murder in des moines is gang related it's yeah. people that are up to no good right it's whatever and it's this rare was, this was a gal that had no red flags in her life cops couldn't find the, anything the, the quick recap is she got murdered on a beautiful i remember it i was in a movie with a friend I remember exactly where I was. There's my alibi, by the way. I was watching True Grit. I even remember the movie wow. that came out with uh, Matt Damon was in it, whatever. Um, and we had gone to a matinee of that. It was a Friday afternoon. It was gorgeous out uh, in April. I think it was April 8th. My wife's birthday is the 9th, and I think it was right around the birthday. It was a Friday. And I got out of the movie. My phone was blowing up and, you know, was stuff in the industry because she was a real estate agent. Right. And it was, she had, and she she had been at an open, open house. house. It, right. was, it was a model unit for a townhome complex in West Des Moines. Not hidden away, like very easy to see from the road, whatever. And apparently someone walked in, shot her, 
couple times, I think. What? Yeah. And left. Depends on who. You know, you, none, you, none of the other shenanigans you might think involved with something like that, robberies and things yeah. like that. So the theory, the general theory, especially amongst people in our in my business, our business, Ross, uh, has always been it was a hit. Well, if it's a hit, okay, how rare would that be in Iowa? Right. Why her? You know, all of that. So you're right. It's unsolved, but that's kind of the backstory of the case. And that's what those conspiracies, those unknowns, are. our brains as human beings, man, we fill that with the weirdest stuff. That's why we get conspiracy theories. It's how we get the JFK. It's how we get 9-11. Yeah. And this was our own little version of that. And I sat on this cutting edge of the knife sword that was news and talk and conversation in Des Moines. And that led me to a lot of these conspiracy theories. A lot of people called in and said, oh, I've heard this, I've heard this, I've heard this. I mentioned that on your podcast, on the podcast. Ashley's brother listened to your podcast, might listen to this one. Maybe. And, Hello, and reach out to Josh. If you're listening, long time to talk, man. I'd love to catch up with you again. Um, he was an awesome guy. We went and had lunch at the Star Bar. He, and he reached out to me and said, I want to pick your brain. I just want to know. I mean, like I would. If my sister had been murdered. Sure and I knew nothing about it, I would want to know how this came about. Yep. You know, and I'd want to know everything that people thought. And I, I prefaced my conversation with Josh as take no credibility in any of this stuff. I was answering the phones at a conservative Christian talk radio show. These people were throwing stuff at the wall. Yeah. But if, but I, but again, I would want to hear all the stuff. Sure. So I sat down with him. Simon knew that I was going to do this, and Simon asked if he could sit in on the lunch because Simon's plan has always been to do a podcast about Ashley. So Simon and I went and met with Josh. It was a really fun lunch. Uh, I mean, fun. We sat there and talked about his murdered sister, sister yeah. right? Yeah. right. Um, Josh was in college, if I remember right at the time, or maybe just out of high school, um, and obviously loved his sister, and that, yeah. that threw everything into, into chaos, right? Yeah. And so... And still to this day, they know nothing. And how hard would that be to be yeah. walk, driving around the town and go, man, I wonder. Do you remember way back then if he had his own theory on what had happened? And Mark, I don't. I'm not just being coy with you. If I did remember, I probably wouldn't tell you what, I wouldn't want to say it here. But I honestly don't remember if he had a theory of his own. I remember six or seven of the different chaotic theories that yeah. you've, you've mentioned a couple of them already, but that was the thing that started missing in the Metro. Honestly, uh, Simon and I went back to the radio station from that meeting. Simon said, I'm going to do this at some point in time. I'm going to, I'm going to launch forward. We even got the okay from Josh and Ashley's parents for Simon to do that. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so I just kind of left that ball in Simon's court. I started missing in the Metro a few years later after conversations with Paul Parisic, the, the public information officer, and even in that conversation kind of kept Simon in the loop of I'm doing this thing, but we're going to focus on these other cases that yeah. are Des Moines related first. Sure. At some point in time, the idea would have been to get around to Ashley and to get around to uh, uh, Johnny Gosh and Eugene Martin and these kind of famous yeah. cases that are in Des Moines. Did you ever listen to that episode of the podcast when we interviewed Noreen? I have, I, I've been around Noreen a lot in my life yeah. and Interesting I, I don't woman. think I listened to that, but. I, I would imagine I know most of the things that she talked about. I mean, I've listened to and, and watched about everything that's out there with the Johnny Gosh case. It was so close to me, dude, and you too. We talked oh, yeah. about this a lot. I remember uh, being scared because oh. Johnny Gosh was a Des Moines Register uh, paper carrier and got kidnapped, I think he was uh, 11, 12, 
when it happened something like that and we're, we're talking early 80s so, like something like that 84 and, and i've i've been in tune to this case my entire life too like yeah. i know where the house is right. like where his wagon was found i know all that stuff and so i was a, a paper carrier myself at the same age not the same time but later and i just remember being out there in the dark you know, just and, and hyper aware of it. And I had grown up with missing pictures of him yeah. in the post office since literally stuff. on the milk cartons when we were little kids. Oh, for sure. Yeah. In fact, he was one of the first on the milk carton. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if yeah. he was the first, but one of the first. There's a, there's a really campaign. good, really good documentary. Really, really good documentary about Johnny Gosh. I'll, I'll, I'll try to look for it here real quick and, and find the actual name of it. But yeah. there's a couple things that are amazing. I feel so bad for Noreen. I, my heart breaks whenever I even think about her and no i agree with you a lot of people are like oh she's crazy or whatever but yeah, eh, imagine your yeah, kid being kidnapped and amen, not knowing what happened a, to him amen to that that's you know? and and yeah i don't think i've heard that be... same thing you know when it, especially like in that position answering the phone at jan yeah and we'd have noreen come in from time to time because yep. there would be stuff that would break with the case or it would be something that would come back up when the documentary got released i feel like it's called something like let's talk about johnny and i'm gonna i'm gonna google it here real quick so i can find out but um People would call in and they'd go, this lady's nuts. That's always my response. Like, yeah, yeah. What do you mean by nuts? Yeah. She's she's crazy to find her kid. Yeah. Yeah, she is. She absolutely is. She is. She has put everything else that could be possible in life aside. Yeah. For this one sole focus. As almost anybody would. Freaking child. Yeah. Right. Exactly. It's, it's kind of <laughs> like, Ross, if you, if you find out today that, uh, your child has been kidnapped. Oh my gosh, uh, how many right. how many listing meetings are you going to be taking it, in the next couple absolutely of weeks? Absolutely zero. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely zero. So I've always found it. It's odd actually that called judge her so harshly. It was called "Who Took Johnny." Yeah, it's from 2014. It well, is in fact, we know fantastic. the answer at least in part. That's one of the for those that haven't followed that case. There was a a guy by the name of Paul Bonassi. We've talked about this before who testified in court many, many, many years later. And apparently the judge said, in a sense, in a legal way that I believe you, I believe what you're saying. Paul Benassi was a child at the time and said he was there when it happened. Yep. He was there to, to kind of go along with the abduction and help control him or whatever they, they did. So there, there has been information that's come out. Um, all right, let's get off that topic. Uh, before we started this, I did have another documentary I was gonna, that I watched oh. last night that was a really good one, dude. I usually like your do you recommendations. Have, do you have any care or do you know who kurt vonnegut is at all mm -hmm. author yeah author slaughterhouse five was the famous one that i remember and i guess didn't even realize till last night how prolific of a writer the yeah. dude was he's yeah. got so many books that i need to now go start to check out because yeah. i loved slaughterhouse five i thought that was a super not, that's not the one he's known for the most though let me, let me let me just look up his okay you go and see if there's one that jumps out yeah at you. i want to uh, see what he was known for short stories. He was my known, father would be yelling at me by now, but if he's uh, listening to this, because he's like, you don't know what Kurt Vonnegut. He uh, uh, he got his start as kind of doing, um, uh, geez, what am I trying to think of here? Short stories that were in magazines, periodicals. Yeah, and was working on these novels at the time. Had produced a couple of novels. I think in Cat's Cradle. Are maybe unstuck in time or breakfast of champions? No, I don't. I don't know. They go through a couple of these on the uh, on in the movie last night. And I'm just kind of remembering. It wasn't his first novel. That's called Player Piano, which does nothing for me. And but. Player Piano was he. So here's the deal, Mark. He was working for GE. His brother is a brilliant architect. His whole family uh, are. Basically, the architects of the town, I believe, of Indianapolis. Is that what town they were. Oh, in? I know. I know what I'm thinking of. Which one? So this, 
this is why this was a trivia question a few weeks back. You've been to trivia a couple yeah, of times. Yeah. This was a trivia question. It was the final question, and it was about a Vonnegut book that had something to do with. It was linked to uh, breakfast cereal or something. I can't remember. How, I can't remember how the, the question was phrased, but it's breakfast of champions. Yep. Yep. That's that's yeah. why that name felt so fresh to me. That that was only a few weeks back. Yeah. And of course, my father knew that answer. So. I'm In fact, surprised. he was the he was the only one at the bar that night that got that one right. Not surprised that he that your dad. I like it Kurt when there's Vonnegut. one right in his wheelhouse that no one else knows. Well, then make sure your dad finds this Kurt Vonnegut uh, documentary that's out there on Netflix right now because it's very well done. Um, it was um, it, it was about forty years in the making. The gentleman that made this documentary is the guy that produced. Uh, the Larry David show, uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm. Mm-hmm. So this guy had the idea of doing a Kurt Vonnegut documentary 40 years ago, started compiling footage, started following Kurt Vonnegut around, got busy with his other stuff in life, even made some other movies over this period of time, yep. and now in 2021 finally released Unstuck in Time, the Kurt Vonnegut documentary. So your dad will like that one. Anybody that enjoys Kurt Vonnegut, um, I, dude, I'll tell you, it's a, it's a very real look at him. I had a different perspective of who Kurt Vonnegut was than I do now. I thought he was, I do this with authors a lot. Most authors are troubled dudes. Yeah. My favorite authors are guys that were really crappy Killed human themselves beings. They're or, pretty crappy human beings. Yeah. You know, Jack Kerouac wasn't, he drank himself to death. Hemingway. Hemingway drank himself to death. Uh, uh, uh Charles Bukowski. Horrible human. Fear and loathing. Kind of a jerk. Uh, yeah, there's uh, uh, Hunter S. Thompson. There's yep. a guy that was... There's a bunch. Yep. Did you and ever... Vonnegut turns out he was kind of like that. I want to... Uh, I think I've turned you on to this one before. Not that I've... Not, I haven't turned you on to, oh, yeah. to this one. Oh, yeah. Uh, Superman. Do you ever see that? It's I, a story I, of Shep Gordon. Yeah, I didn't watch it. I've heard of this oh, thing. It's really good. Is it good? Yeah. Okay. Because you like, yeah, I know this about you. You like the documentaries where it's like the Eagles documentary is a good example of this. It's like the Eagles happened to move into an apartment building and then below them was Jackson Brown. And yes. that's how they formed that yeah. relationship. The Shep Gordon is like everything he touches is like this person knew this person. And like, it's this six degrees of uh, Kevin Bacon type thing. You know, it's like just the way this guy's career. I, I, it's been years since I've seen it, but I'm pretty sure he started the, the cooking shows. That used to not oh, be a really? thing at all. But like, let's put chefs on TV and watch them cook. I think that was, he started that stuff. <laughs> I'm kidding. Wow. Um, but just... It, it, it's a name that isn't a household name. Shep Gordon. If I if I say that, a lot of people go, like, "What? What the so heck?" I've seen, there's a there's a documentary and there's a movie about him. I think Adam Sandler is in the movie, right? Um, I don't know that. I Check don't know. that out. I think that's. But he's name. he's connected and he's older, but he was connected to Janis Joplin, Jim Morrison, yeah. Jimmy Hendrix. His story is incredible. He's the he's the Forrest Gump of the yeah. And he did. Yeah, I'm right. He, the celebrity chef on television. He, he started that. So if if any of you like documentaries out there, and I think there's probably a couple of you that do. Superminch is the uh, episode there. Um, before we get into your story, because I, I have the I, best, I, I, think, I have the best story you've ever heard. This I week. think you set the bar too high last week. I, I promise I did. <laughs> that was my take. I'm like, man, you really want to start with this? Yeah, I, I promise I didn't. This one unload your gun. Do it's you a like really good? One. We were gonna. Uh, I was gonna ask you because we talked about it before. Do you like people, Ross? I love people, Mark. I love strangers. I think you do. I really do. I, think I do. like I like to meet people. I like to learn people's stories. Uh, I mean, I it's I so genuinely do like people. The ongoing yeah. debate is introvert extrovert with people. A lot of people maybe don't even know what they are themselves or feel that they're one way or another. 
was talking to my wife about this the other day and, and she, and she had heard this definition somewhere and I, and I agree with it completely. I think the, the introvert gets their energy drained by being around too many people and gets to the point where like, I got to shut this down. I got to go do my own thing, et cetera. The extrovert, the true extrovert gains from it. No doubt. They feed off of it. Yeah. Whatever. I was at a family fun night the other night and what I hate is small talk. School, school family fun night, right? School family That's fun That's always night. fun. And, and we've got great kids. My kids are typically well-behaved. People give compliments on, oh, your kids are so... Like, I can't tell you, there's been so many times where we're out somewhere doing something and a stranger... This happened the last time that we were... Uh, we we went to Vegas, took the kids to Vegas. Don't don't knock it. It was fun and they liked it. But we're sitting in the airport waiting for the fl- uh, plane to take us home. And a couple across sitting in those chairs waiting for the, you know, to board the plane. Like just complimented us on your kids are so well behaved and play with each other nicely and stuff. And we've heard those things so many times on this particular night. Nope. Nope. Like within three minutes, I'm trying to get them to go in on a cakewalk, which is the easiest game in the world. Just walk in a circle. That's it. And if your number's called, you win a prize. Neither one of them, my younger two, Seton's 10. He doesn't do this crap, but. Duke and Hollis, not only did they not want to go in, but when I tried to get them to go in, they both started crying. Oh, geez. That happens when they get overtired. So I was in a bad mood based off of that. And then when I'm in a situation where it's small talk, small talk, small talk, I'm not a small talk guy. I'd rather do this, have a real conversation. So I find myself in a situation like that, just kind of wanting to leave (laughs) and go home. You know, and and I thought to myself during that night, I'm like, man, I don't like people that much. Which, which... Here's here's the irony, Ross. It's like I try to do a lot of stuff for people. You know, I, I think part of me likes people. Part of me wants to do so nice Mark, things for thing. people. You are you are the most bipolar person when it comes to this specific part of personality. Where, um, you're right. Most people are very clearly an extrovert or an introvert. The only person I've ever met that is like you in this case is my friend Travis Justice, yeah. who's one of my good gr- great friends. Who you've always said is very much like me and how very he talks much. about things. And, and, and how you deal with people, how you, yeah, the way you process things, you guys are a lot alike. But you you are maybe even a notch above, I would say, on in this particular part of personality where you uh, you just described exactly who you are on family fun night that you go into those places and go oh my god this is nonsense this is the dumbest thing ever and i don't want to be here and you don't necessarily shut down like when I, I wouldn't say that because shutting down people see that as like outwardly not having fun yeah. i'm a guy that will shut down i'm a guy that when i'm in a bad mood i want everybody to know i'm in a bad mood you don't do that but you you do go from that ex- that 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 extreme part of like ugh yuck to being able to be kind of the life of the party in a way. Um, I've seen this out with you on a Friday night or a Saturday night when we've been, you know, not that you and I go out and hit the town or paint it up or anything like that. We need to do it more. We have a couple times we've gone out, and I do see that you are you're very quick to recognize the situation and know where your comfort level is and jump right into that. And and if that is you're going to be f- wallflower and just kind of observe you're you you blend into the background perfectly if you walk into the room and you decide okay it's time for alpha mark to step up you are your king dingling in that room and and i've seen you do that in one night back and forth and yeah. it is something that 
I'm kind of a chameleon, but I'm not the extreme part of it. I'm the blend in and get along to go along. Yeah. And yeah, I'm going to kind of be the, the, the filler in the middle of whatever's missing. I'm thinking of a night. I, I think you find it perplexing and, and, and I think, you know, the night I'm talking about, we were out drinking and, uh, I just have a moment where I'm like, you could look at me and go, Mark's having a great time Yep, right now. And five minutes later, you're going, where did Mark go? Exactly right. You were going, yeah, And you know right. what happened? Right. I was just done. Just done. Had your fun. I got done. I and had my fill and I'm out. And, uh, and you know this about me. One of the things you and I are very opposite about. And I don't know what it is. I consider it a personality flaw. I try to be conscious of it, but I still do it. I'm the 20-minute goodbye guy. Yeah. I, when I go to leave a place, I want to say goodbye to every single person. Yeah. I want to make sure I go around and say, "Hey, it was nice to see you tonight. Yeah, uh, take care. I'll I'll look forward to seeing you again." And I and it's not, I'm not trying to like, it's not something where I'm just doing it so that people think I'm a nice guy. I genuinely want to make sure I go around and see each yeah. person and go, "Hey, man, it was nice to talk to you tonight," or "I'm sorry I didn't get to talk to you more." Yep. And I'll see you later. You are the guy that is just gone. I'll give a wave. I'll wave yeah, to the room. Right, right. Yep. See ya. Yeah, I think and, I figure, you know, I'll probably see him tomorrow. And, and again, there's no right or wrong. It's not yep. that you, when you leave, people don't go, oh my God, Charter's such a jerk, dude. Didn't even say goodbye to anybody. It's never that way. And, I, and I'm and i sure when I leave, people aren't like, oh my God. I got one leave. Could Ross say goodbye any longer? Jeez. We actually have uh, one, of, one of your friends that used to be here used to do the lingering goodbye. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, the, that, and guy, you're, and you're a that guy little has, bit like that. that guy very much has personality traits like me. Yeah. Yeah. And when, when someone says, I'm running late, I got to get out of here. And then 15 minutes later, they're still that's there. Dude, I am like, I'm I'm 20 minutes away from a meeting. Yeah. That happens in 25 minutes. I yeah. got to leave in five minutes. Yeah. I will say that for 10 minutes. Yeah. And then race to my car and text the person and explain to them, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry, I'm running five minutes. You know what makes this me is the, the story the, of my the, life. This is a, a sad ending to the story, but that particular night, the weird thing that happened oh, was oh, that's right. We're out at we're out at Tonic. We're out in, in West Glen. Right, West, West Glen West Des Moines. It was in the I want to say it was in the spring, but it was rainy. That's I left it around I, re, I left it around midnight. It was cold out and rainy. And just one of those dark you know, night's always dark. Yeah, but one but of those dark, was, dark yeah, nights. Yeah, the right? clouds are. Yeah, so there's no stars. There's no moonlight. I leave. Uh, I leave the bar, tonic, uh, which is really close to the interstate. I go down Mill Civic. I get onto the the on ramp. I go down the on ramp, and at the very end of the on ramp, my headlights hit a a person walking. You know, walking in the same direction I'm going. Headed north on 835. Heading, heading north yeah. off on the shoulder, yeah. right? And I'm like, and it startled me a little bit because yeah. it's midnight, it's raining, and there's just a person walking on the interstate. And I remember thinking to myself, ah, oh, that sucks to be that person, right? Literally no more than, a, it could not have been more than two minutes after that. Somebody else came along and killed that person. Hit that person and, and Hit, hit them, that right. person, killed him, hit right. and run. And that person was arrested. They found that person because yeah. there's cameras there. Um, it's horrible. But I remember because the next day I get up and they're talking on the news about a body found and I could see on the video right where it was and it was right at the end of that ramp. And I'm like, there's no way they would have covered another 80 feet before you that You called happened. the police department, I believe. Right? I called Didn't the police department yeah. and said, hey, I passed that person in case you need help with timing. And I don't think they ever really needed much because they had video, Yeah, you know? Um, and then I saw eventually an arrest wow. happen, you know. So I remember that night. Well, yeah, yeah. So so that's why that's why I remember that night. But but um, 
I don't, yeah, I don't know. I mean, at the end of the day, we are who we are, right? But that's always been the case. You are who you are. And I don't have a problem saying you're a nicer person than me, Ross. That's, <laughs> Stop it. That's okay. Stop you know, it. You know what? You, uh, a lot of it is, too. You know what's it, really comforting in life, man? It's just, it, and hopefully you don't re- come to the realization that you're nothing more than an asshole, uh, <laughs> is when you know who you are. And I've had, you've had, you've said this to me before, many other people like, Mark, you know who you are. And I, I do. I'm comfortable. With who I am, I don't have any grand vision to change much. I think that's about the, what I, I'm doing the at people, this point. The people I know that are the happiest in life are the people who understand who they are. Yeah, yep. yeah. And you're still, you're still a little, you know, your caterpillar turning into a beautiful butterfly. <laughs> you are, man. I like, I've liked watching you. You know, I've known you. I don't know when I first met you. Mm. Have we known each other? Decade, ten years, something like that. Something like that. I wonder when I first met you. I don't, I, I don't, I don't know when that would have been. And I can tell you of all the stories I've ever told you, the best one I've ever told you is coming today. <laughs> I like how you have to have. <laughs> we have to say this every week. <laughs> Hopefully, you guys are catching <laughs> catching uh, up to the joke here of this. Uh, Ross is the, the best, best story every, every it, week. It, this every week, I'm going to tell you the best story you've ever um, heard. But you know, I I am terrible, by the way, at, re- at remembering when I first meet somebody. Terrible at it. Can't do it. All the time I'm trying to think, how, when did I first meet them? What was that first meeting like? And I just, I rarely recall it. But um, it's been cool to watch you, and this is my segue into a little bit of real estate, um, go from uh, Radio Ross, which you still are, and you're very good at it, um, to, you know, I, I, I just obviously saw something in you, let's toot my own horn here, about uh potential obviously that uh you could kill it in this business and i'm curious when i when i first started saying that and it took years for you to actually do something the first few times you heard me say it was any part of you like i bet i could no are you like this guy's crazy zero i will never do that yes mark is crazy mark thinks that everybody is just like him mark thinks that uh uh, that you know, because it was easy for Mark, and I know it wasn't, but it, again, perception is not always reality. Sure. I knowing your story now, knowing you the way I do, I understand why it looked the way it did, and you were very good at making it look a little bit easier than it was. Yeah. But um, yeah, there was for years, man. There was the thing in me that, like, no, 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 no. I know me. I know just like you were talking. I've always been a guy that thought I. I was, I've always been comfortable in my own skin. And if that meant I was doing play-by-play for Grandview, I, then, yeah, that was I, was I was not just Ross. I was the play-by-play guy for Grandview. That sure. was kind of my, my thing, and, if, and yeah. that was it. And in that moment that I was doing play-by-play for Grandview, that's all I wanted to be, right? I think there's a lot of people like that, Mark. I think there's a lot of people that... Um, you know, I, I'm probably guilty at parts of my life. And getting into radio was I had you had to dive for loose balls. I had to go and seek that and, and chase it and chase it and chase it relentlessly. But I'm probably guilty of letting a lot of life just come to me. Mm-hmm. And I think that a lot of people are guilty of that. You you strive for something, you set a goal, you achieve that goal, and then there's a moment you kind of rest on those laurels or whatever it is, and and you're not out seeking something new and a paradigm shift. You're not out trying to reinvent yourself. It took a lot. It took a lot for me to get to that point. Was Even the, with all of the things, dude, it was so obvious. Looking back on it, all of the things were there. And like most people that are listening that know that I'm on the radio. And it was like, it, most people are probably like, well, duh. 
duh, you you had a personality. You know, people know who you are. People kind of trust you. Turn on the machine, dummy. Mm-hmm. It took a long time for me to come to that realization. Was the main catalyst getting canned? At the station? The main, yeah, yeah. The main catalyst was feeling trapped. Okay, this is an important lesson, I think, for a lot of people. It, when human beings feel trapped and they feel stuck, they're going to do weird, irrational things in whatever a- avenue of their life that, you, that we're talking about. If it's a simple negotiation, that's a one-off. One if people feel stuck, if they feel like they're in an ultimatum, they're going to do irrational things. I felt stuck. I felt like after 20 years at the radio station, I was never going to make another dime. Um, I'd capped out. I, I wasn't going to get any more vacation. I wasn't going to get any higher salary. And that bothered me big time. I really felt stuck. And that was what kind of started to crack that egg and say, you got to get out of this thing. You got to move a little bit here. Getting fired was then what dropped the egg in the, mm-hmm. and it all exploded. Okay. But those cracks were there. I was working my way out of that shell that I was in. And, uh, so yeah, getting fired did launch it certainly, uh, but but the but the rocket was built and I was I was on the launch pad. Isn't it funny how events like uh, getting fired or or negative events in your life can have the most impact in your life in a positive way? Yeah, you know I I heard a speech the other day. Um, it was great. I can't remember where I heard it, but you could Google this easy. It was it was one of those motivational things, but. It was one of those, you know, I asked God for patience. And the response is basically, he didn't give me patience. He gave me something to be patient over. That's exactly right. I asked God for courage. Yeah. God didn't give me courage. He gave me something in my life to get brave about. Yeah. You know, it's like. Yeah, if you ask God for help, he's not going to build you stairs. He's going to show you where the wood and hammer are. Yeah. And uh, like, yeah. Yeah, and I found that I found that powerful. It's like we ask for things like, you never gave it to me, but it's like, okay, you didn't ask to get I've fired. That. I've done that. You didn't ask to get fired, yep. but you were maybe asking for, uh, show me a way that's I, beyond this and somehow. Absolutely right. You know, and that was the, the, the catalyst for that. And obviously, I think of the people that got fired that day. You've done the most <laughs> out out of uh, yeah out of all of them to kind of better yourself. Most but, paradigm shift. There. Yeah, there's no question. All right, I am... Beyond ready for the best story. Is Bensie still out there? Bensie's uh, taken a Oh, he's in, the do- he's in the deucer? Because I wanted Bensie to hear this story because I know this is going to be the best story that a guy like Adam Bens has ever heard. If yeah, you're a man's man. I think the deuce is loose in there. If you're a man's man, you are going to absolutely love this story. All right. More than the Boston Marathon and these foofy guys. So what you're telling me is the St. Louis Marathon. I was wearing a sweatshirt yesterday with a lot of pink on it so this won't be exactly for me we'll find out mark won't we i will tell you this man this i, I found this out yesterday bensie's out bensie i want you to hear this story i think you're gonna think this is the greatest story ever now you have to just listen because there's no mic for you. that's all right bensie will love this so i actually found out when i started to research this yesterday there's a movie being made about this story right now and it has russell crowe and zach efron in it okay so i mean you know, it's a man's man story man. it's the story of the greatest beer run ever Okay. You guys familiar with this? If I just say that headline to you. Nope, nope, it's not Smokey and the Bandit. This is a true story. There's a book that was written about it. There's also like a 12, 15-minute promotional piece done by the Pabst Blue Ribbon Company 
uh, that you can find online that tells a lot of what I'm about to tell you. So if you want a recap of that, just Google the greatest beer run ever. Click on videos and you'll see what I'm talking about. But there's also, again, when you Google it, there's a book that's been written about this and there's now a movie that's in post-production that will be uh, launched about this. It starts in 1968 in New York City. There are war protests happening in Central Park. Now, there's a bar that's adjacent to Central Park. It's called Doc Fiddler's. It's on 275th and Sherman. And Doc Fiddler's is run by a guy named George Lynch. He's the bartender. And George is a very patriotic guy. George was a guy that would set up marches to support the troops. He would set up fundraisers and drives. He was a guy that couldn't serve in the military because of some medical stuff but and felt guilt because of that and was always trying to support the war efforts. So while he's tending bar and these marches are happening outside, he's getting pissed, okay? Because a lot of the boys in the neighborhood, the guys that frequented this bar are guys that are in Vietnam right now fighting. And here these kids are being called baby killers and all this stuff by these, by these protesters. And he finally loses it. And he says, listen, we got to do something. We got to do something to show our boys in Vietnam that we still love them. And he's just kind of ranting. And one of the guys that's in the bar at the time is a guy named Chicky Donahue, John Donahue. Everybody calls him Chicky. Chicky was a Marine. Uh, he had done a couple of tours in Vietnam. After his second tour, he becomes a merchant Marine. And, and basically, a merchant Marine, they're guys that are, that are allowed to jump on ships and help supply lines and things like that. You're mm -hmm. kind of a an assistant to the military in a way, okay? Yeah. So George Lynch, the bartender, says to Chickie Donahue, we got to do something. And Chickie says, you know what? Let's buy him a beer. Let's, I'll, I'll, I'll take a case of beer. I'll go down and I'll sign up to go over to Vietnam, and I'm going to take a beer to each one of the boys. They had six names of guys that were local kids that were in Vietnam at the time. So they put together this list of six names, and Chicky Donahue decides, and he's kind of joking about it at first. Like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to go over to Vietnam and find these guys in the middle of a war. The beer's going to be a little warm. And, yeah, and take this, take this beer with him. He comes back to the bar the next day, again, kind of thinking this might be a joke, and there is Tommy Collins' mom. Tommy Collins' mom has a $100 bill in her hand, and when Chicky walks in the door, she says, I understand you're going to Vietnam to find my boy. You're going to take him a beer, and I want you to give him this $100 and let him know that we love him. And now Chicky's like, crap, I got to do this thing, right? Yep. So he goes down to the office. He goes down to the union hall, and he throws in his card. And he says, what can I do? Can you guys get me over to Vietnam? Sure enough, the very first ship that's leaving after that is headed towards Vietnam. It's going to Quy Nhan. And he thinks, I'm going to, you know, again, takes his clothes with him that he's wearing he's wearing like blue jeans a, a, a flannel type of shirt it's like plaid it doesn't look like flannel like lumberjack it's like brooks brothers okay mm -hmm. and he's wearing a ball cap and he hops on this ship that's going to go now to cunan and he takes a case of paps blue ribbon with him now obviously on the trip over there He's working up favors. He's trying to do every job he can on the ship because once he gets to Vietnam, he's going to need these guys to do his job so that he can go find his buddies, yep. right? Because he's thinking 
there's no way in hell I'm actually going to be able to find any of these, these dudes, guys. Right? Yeah. There's no way in hell. But he comes up with a story. He kind of does the uh, the Saving Private Ryan thing. Mm-hmm. He says, I'm going to start telling people one name at a time, and I'm going to say he's my stepbrother, and we lost mom. Mom died, and I got to find my stepbrother. So he starts to tell all of the high-ranking officers, basically, this is my story. This is what I'm doing over here. But all the low-ranking guys, he kind of brings them in on the story. He's like, here's the deal. We're sick of these protesters. My buddy that owns a bar wanted to buy him all a beer. We're doing the greatest beer run ever. Okay. And they start to put the put together all the things for him to help him out. All the supply lines start to come, to come together. When he lands in Cunan, he gets off the boat. And again, he's got his list of six names. The first unit that he sees when he lands in Cunan is the 127th MPs. That's Tommy Collins' unit. Hmm. So he grabs a guy and he's like, hey, uh, I'm looking for my stepbrother. Do you know Tommy Collins? We just lost mom. And the guy says, you're not going to believe this. Tommy's here. He's like, he's like right here. Yep. Now, Chicky had, at this point, exhausted his supply of beer. He drank in the two-month trip that it took to get over to Vietnam. He drank his case of beer. But he's able to get it back. He kind of supplies it with Pabst and Schlitz and some other American beers. And sure enough, he goes and he finds Tommy Collins. And, I mean, he's walking around in civilian clothes. This story is amazing where Tommy Collins is literally in the middle of a war zone and he looks up and sees his friend from New York city. Yep. And he says, dude, what are you doing here? And he says, I came to give you a beer. What do you mean? I came to give you a beer. The first day he's there, he finds his first guy. They have a Pabst. Uh, they get drunk that night while he's sitting around in civilian clothes and everything is great. They go to a bar that night. Tommy's actually happy his mom actually isn't dead. At the, at yeah, this right, point right. Too. And, and yeah. Tommy Collins obviously knew, and he gets the yeah, hundred dollars yeah. from uh, that that Chicky's that yep. that his mom had given Chicky. And uh, that night they go to a bar. They're hanging out at this bar, and they see a guy that's wearing a patch that is the First Air Cavalry. He says, "Wait a minute, that's Ricky Dugan's unit. That's the second guy on my list here." So he goes over to the guy and he tells him the same story. He says, "Here's the deal, Mom. Uh, Got to find brother-in-law." He says, I, I tell you what, I know, uh, I know a guy that can get you there, but I don't believe your story. Mm-hmm. So Chicky finally decides this is maybe the one guy, the one officer he can tell the truth. And he says, all right, here's the deal. I, I'm on a beer run. I'm a Marine. I've done a couple tours here. I'm a merchant Marine now. This is how we got here. I'm not related to Ricky. I'm just his buddy. And the officer says, we got you. So they get him up to... Um, uh, another outpost. Now, he says, "I want to. I want to go back here again because he actually met that officer. <laughs> this is so great. He meets that officer while he's peeing in an airfield. The officer. So he steps off a plane uh, uh, north of Cunan, and he's urinating in an airfield, wearing his blue jeans and plaid shirt and baseball cap in the middle of a war." When this officer comes over and tries to chastise him, say, who the hell are you? What are you doing? Now, this is part of the story where we got to, this is a long thread in this story. He's so out of place that everybody thinks he's a secret service or that he is like CIA. Everybody, because there's no way a person would actually show up here in the middle of a war zone wearing nothing but tennis shoes and blue jeans that by the way by each day because it's the only outfit he has getting a little so, grimy they're getting grimy there's like there's no way a guy would actually do this he's got to be a part of like 
CIA or something. Yeah. So he's able, because he knows the lingo of being a Marine, because he's able to kind of work these emotions of these guys using the, the mom story, or if he feels comfortable enough, he tells them the real story of, I'm just trying to have a beer with my buddies. He ends up delivering beer to four of the six guys that are on the list. There was uh, one that died. One actually came home with malaria. So that th- those two were, were both back. But he ends up going on uh, to find uh, Ricky Dugan, uh, Tommy Collins, and Bobby Pappas. Now, Bobby Pappas, uh, he got a letter from Chick's wife that said, hey, Chick's out there. Chick's in Vietnam. He's being a jackass. He didn't have a gun. He didn't have fatigues. He's wearing blue jeans, and he's trying to find you to get you a beer. Look for him. And Bobby Pappas, like, this is the dumbest thing ever. This is the most chick move ever. Bobby Pappas is in Saigon, north of Saigon, at an ammo dump. And Chickie finds out about it. Now, what you need to know is, in the first trip to, to Vietnam, Chickie was only able to ke- catch up with Tommy Collins and Ricky Dugan. He comes back home. He tells some of the guys, hey, I got close. I got half of them. They're like, go back. You haven't delivered a beer to Bobby yet. And Bobby was one of his best friends. And Chick's wife, by the way, says, oh, yeah, I told Bobby you were bringing him a beer. (laughs) So now he goes back to Vietnam a second time. Over the course of this story, Mark, he ends up covering like 8,000 nautical miles on a ship. It's a four-month adventure. He gets back to Vietnam a second time is able to track down Bobby Pappas. This story is just fantastic about he gets into this war zone, hit the commanding officers grab him and say, what are you doing here? And he says, I want to have a beer with Bobby Pappas. They're like, we can get him here. They actually call Bobby Pappas from a, a fire. He's in the middle of a firefight. They, the commanding officer calls him into the tent. He has to traverse this battleground to get into the commanding officer, he has no idea why he's been called into this office. The story goes that he walks in and he says, sir, why'd you, why'd you call me into the office? And he says, I didn't, this guy did. And he turns around and there's Chicky. Hey buddy, how you doing? What's going on? <laughs> Wearing his blue jeans and plaid shirt and baseball cap. And he's like, what the hell are you doing here? He said, well, I came to have a beer with you. And they basically tried to send Chickie Donahue back out into the field with Bobby Pappas. And Pappas says, no, we can't do this. It's going to be too bad. They end up having the beer there. He spends a couple of really scary nights in this uh, ammo dump north of Saigon, which ends up being blown up the day after Chickie leaves. But he gets home, and he comes home with this amazing story of the greatest beer run ever. Four months, two trips to Vietnam, multiple firefights involved, and a mistaken identity of a CIA agent to, to cap it all off. So I'm looking up uh, this movie. So, yeah, announced cast members, Zac Efron, Russell Crowe. I'm, I'm seeing a, this would make it great. I'm seeing rumors of Bill Murray. This was a Peter Farrelly movie, one of the Farrelly Farrelly brothers. brothers so it'll be funny. And when you when you um, meet I'm these characters, to figure out like has this been filmed? It has been filmed. It's in post production right now. Okay. So this is a movie that will come out probably next year or this year. Yeah. So in October twenty October twenty first of two thousand twenty one. Last year, there was an article in NewJersey.com. Peter Farrelly filming The Greatest Beer in Ever. Uh, 
so yeah, I would assume it's going to be coming out pretty soon. We'll do a giveaway on this because I also came across, you mentioned the book. So if you're listening to this podcast and you want a book, the first person to post on our Twitter page, Vince can't win because he's sitting here listening to this. The first person to post, the first person to post on our Twitter page, the greatest beer run ever. Um, I'll message you and send you a book. There's a book called the greatest beer run ever, which is about this story written by Chicky. Um, so yeah, if this is an interesting story to you or the best story you've ever heard, as Ross said, uh, John Chicky Donahue, put that, put that on Twitter and we'll, uh, I'll go ahead and buy you this book and get it sent to you. The greatest beer run. It's by John. Ch- it says chick, maybe chicky. Yeah. This is John chick in air quotes in sky commas. Uh, Donahue, Donna, Donahue, Donahue, however you say it. And JT Malloy. That is an interesting story. That's a that's a, uh, a movie you'll definitely be watching, Ross. That's a movie I'll be watching. It was a, and again, I would encourage people if you just go Google the greatest beer run ever. Uh, the Pabst Company put out a promotional piece for their yep. uh, a, a couple years ago was where I found this story. Um, it was before the book came out, I believe. Yep. And it's just about a twelve minute, fifteen minute telling of uh retelling of what i kind of just went through there some of those details i i pulled from like wikipedia or the movie site you know what i mean there were a couple other sources i used but the the 12 minute video that's out there is is a really good one and it uh, it tells the story you don't get all those details we don't you know they they kind of keep out some of the stuff about the guys that passed away that they didn't get a chance to there's some other dark stuff that happened with it but uh amazing story and 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 here's one of the spoilers of it ironically chicky donahue at the end of this whole ordeal actually becomes an anti-war protester Hmm. he he kind of has a uh, a turnaround i guess at some point where he realizes that it is that this is that the war has not served the purpose that the government has been lying to the boys and um kind of he he does a 180 and that's that again not something you find in the 12 minute yeah. Pabst promotional piece yeah but some of the stuff you find out when you uh when you go look at that so yeah it's a very fun story and so many twists and turns that reminds me beer run reminded me i just googled this because it's a totally separate story and and i think bency when he came in here mentioned uh smoking the bandit or you know that, that made me think of cannonball run by the way do you know what the time is the actual how close can you get the time of going cross country the fastest time by car, people try to accomplish this. I'm okay, looking I'm at I'm guess. looking at the record. I'm gonna guess this was uh, they covered 13 states. This is going coast to coast as fast as you can in a car, and obviously you got to incorporate getting pulled over for speeding and laws and all of that stuff. What do you think? What do you think it was, Ross? I think somebody's done it in like 23 hours. You're not too far off. 27 hours, 25 minutes. It was a team. They yep. averaged 103 miles per hour and reached a top speed of 193. Yep. Yep. So that's like, I think the team aspect is like looking for cops and trying so to find I've, roads without cops and I, whatever, but I'm averaging not, 103. I've seen, I've seen a video on the guys that did this. It's a three-man team. The car is completely refabricated it's fast um because they basically want to do as much stuff as they can 
uh, as quickly as possible. So it's got an enlarged gas tank, but they carry an extra gas. In fact, they removed the spare tire to make the gas tank larger. So the spare tire sat behind the driver's seat. Yep. It is a three-man team. It's in, the, the car is tricked out with electronics to find every speed trap along the way, catch cops before they're caught. Um, and yeah, you, and the funny part of the story is it was it's like two drivers and a third guy that's like support team. Yeah. Okay? Because, I mean, you, you go to the bathroom in the car. Yeah. So the story that is the, the funny part of it is they get in the car. And they start barreling. They're from, is it from New Jersey? I think it's New York. New York? New York to... Yeah, well, like, New Jersey wouldn't be... Yeah, yeah. I'm not, not 100% sure. It's, but it's northeast. It's coast to coast. They're like 12 miles into the trip. And the dudes are doing 130 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. And the guy in the back seat goes, so uh, we're going to go this fast the whole time? <laughs> like, yep, yep. That's what you signed up for, dude. I mean, that's crazy, dude. Just over a day to get... From one side of the country to the next. Flying. And I don't dude, think they ever got, I mean, I assume they never got pulled over because, I, I mean. do, though, Mark. I if you get that, pulled over going over 100, your, pro, your journey's probably done at that they, point. You, yeah, you'd think that they would even, you wouldn't be able to do it in 27 hours if you got pulled over once. You know, you can get arrested for going that yeah. speed, et cetera. So yeah, I, I maybe they didn't get pulled over. I but I, I, I've seen the guys that... Hold on, there might have be, been another one. I'm seeing a new Cannonball record. 25 hours, 39 minutes. Holy cow. Averages 112 miles per hour. Dude. Think about that. That you got to fill up with gas. You have to... You, you just take you're your probably food. Probably not stopping you. to eat. Yeah, you're not you're stopping, not stopping to, eat. to eat. And if there's something else with the gas tank... Right? Yeah, New York, New York to Los Angeles. So factoring Jeez, in, factoring in L.A. traffic and all of that stuff. Too, I don't know. That'd be that'd be interesting. All right, Ross. Thanks for sharing. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. If you want that free book, just uh, get at us on Twitter. It's the best pod in Iowa, by the way. No, best. I changed our Twitter handle. Ross doesn't know anything about this type of stuff. Best pod in Iowa is the new Twitter handle. At Ross and Mark is gone. Sorry, Ross. It's all right. All right, everybody. Ross will be back next week with what, Ross? The best story you've ever heard. All right, tune in for that. We'll see you.